It's the Gorn. I bet it gets real creepy here after dark. We do not give in to fear. Empowered spooky music. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to the Dura Sisters podcast. We are not Klingons, but we are sisters. And I'm Ashlyn. And I'm Rihanna. And today, please join us for the last episode of the Spooky Series. That's right, we're talking about strange new worlds. Dun dun dun! Oh my gosh, we're here. I can't believe it, frankly. I know I say this every time we end a series. <laughs> we but are I just can never always believe it. aghast. We're like, Jesus, we reached <laughs> another end of the series. <laughs> was this series 10? Bro, I think it was. Oh my god. (laughs) Like, I just can't believe. And I'm so excited that we are able to do this incredible spooky series here together. And the fact that we were able to do finish it out here in December is really fun. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I know. I was like, well, at least we're finishing it before Christmas. (laughs) And before Hanukkah, even. Like, we're just, we're crushing it. Yeah. Oh, we're totally ready. Yeah. Yeah. I know Sorry. we've talked about it at the end of some of the podcasts, but I don't think we've said it yet at the beginning, Rihanna. I'm just so excited to talk about the holodeck series next time. Yes. I think that's a great choice, and it's going to be very fun and interesting to discuss. I honestly think it's kind of perfect for some holiday cheer. You know, a lot of these episodes are going to be really goofy and funny, which is great because we're about to dive into some very dark and tough to watch episodes today (laughs) in Strange New Worlds. So uh, as always on this podcast, every week you get a new tone. So welcome. (laughs) I can't wait to read you the watch list. But before that, Rihanna, I'm wondering if our listeners had any scary episodes from Strange New Worlds that really stuck out to them after seeing this first season. Yeah, so over on Twitter, the general consensus was All Those Who Wander was probably the scariest, which is the episode 9, right before the season 1 finale. Then we also had a lovely comment from Open Pike. They said, gotta be all those who wander, in my opinion, as it has exploding folks, monster fights, and scratchy audio logs. On top of all that, it has lasting effects on the crew. So thank you, Open Pike, for talking about stuff that I was literally wanting to talk about today on the pod. What a great episode choice and definitely very freaky. I agree. Yeah, yikes. (laughs) Ashlyn, was there an episode that really spooked you when you saw this the first or second or how many ever time? For me, the scene specifically, and I, I had already began to merge all these Gorn episodes, but mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you which one, but there was one episode where Spock and La'an are in a shuttle together and he does a mind meld on her and she's forced to remember her trauma <laughs> that she has from growing up with the Gorn and like being stuck on this breeding planet. So that scene specifically, I now know that's Memento Mori. That scene in particular was just very frightening. And I tend to block out when a character, I'm going to say it, when a character dies. I just try not to remember that episode too much. So the Hammer one really uh, went past me in my initial consideration. But Rihanna, for you, was there one that stuck out? For me, actually, I think the scariest episode was uh, Lift Us Where Suffering Cannot Reach because it was fall. 
like this episode followed Spock and Muck <laughs> in order. And so last week we were cracking up at this body swap episode. It was very lighthearted, a lot about relationships. And then we get to this episode where there's like literal child death. There's literal like cult-like behaviors going on. It's just all very scary and very jarring, like tonally. And I was just really impressed and a little bit annoyed, frankly, uh, in equal measure about how this episode sort of came out in relation to the rest of the episodes. And so I think it did a great juxtaposition, though, because it shows, hey, we can do fun Trek one week and we can do really heavy Trek the next. And that's what Star Trek is. And I have to keep reminding myself of this. This We're back in a episodic era that feels different than Lower Decks because Lower Decks is trying to be funny all the time. And Strange New Worlds is still playing with their tone. And so this just really freaked me out. And I was really not okay for a while after this episode. I was like, that effed me up. Like, it gives me a lot to think about. Thank you for your reasoning, Rihanna. Mm -hmm. um, I think if I respond, we will just start the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. yeah. But we need, to, uh, we need to do more things <laughs> before have, that. We have yeah. some more housekeeping, so. <laughs> okay. Well, let's just get along with it. Let's grab some action figures, see who's going to help us through this trauma uh, episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, okay. Here we go. Oh my god, sorry, I, just, I just gasped at who I picked. Ashlyn, who is the chosen one? Oh my gosh, it's Tiny Kirk from 2009. <laughs> He's so little. He's actually only a cadet. He has no... Oh, wait. No, I forgot. They, they don't have pips. He's oh, a yeah. captain. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's already in his yellow. Gold, I should He's say. He's so cute. <laughs> Ashlyn, he looks adorable. I absolutely love uh, that you picked a Kirk, so we've got at least one. Yeah. <laughs> Since we have no Sam Kirk action figures, you've got a representative. And Rihanna, who do you have <laughs> to team up <laughs> with our captain? Um, actually, another captain, Captain Cisco, oh, is here. Okay. I think he's still a commander at this point, uh, this action figure. But either way, leader of Deep Space Nine, Cisco, and of the Bajoran Emissary is here <laughs> to hear our podcast about Strange New Worlds. I mean, you can't say Cisco wasn't around for this era because he could be looking back at this era through the prophets. So yeah, he could be watching his own version of uh, Far Beyond the Stars. So who <laughs> yeah. <knows? laughs> yeah. Very true. Nothing says he's not here, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, Ashlyn, shall we talk about this wonderful and very brief list that we have, that you created? Sure, Rihanna. I mean, so at this point, there's only one season of Strange New Worlds, so not, you would think that there aren't a lot of spooky episodes to choose from, but like Rihanna was talking about with Lift Us Where Suffering Cannot Reach, Strange New Worlds is still trying to figure out its tone. And so I think that's why there are a third, almost, of these episodes <laughs> that are quite frightening. <laughs> so we are first going to be starting off in the Suffering Did Reach section with the episode Lift Us Where Suffering Cannot Reach. And then we it will be followed by the It's Gorn section with Memento Mori and All Those Who Wander. 
Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> like literally so spooky i'm scared and excited about this list. so i want to do a little warning i called rihanna about 45 minutes before we were about to record today and she was just sobbing yeah <laughs> because, like a whole mess <laughs> yeah because she had just finished watching all those who wander and I was just about to start that episode, so I was like, oh, I'm about 40 minutes behind you. Yeah, and seeing into my future. <laughs> yeah, we were just talking and realized that these are, like, one of the, this is, like, one of the worst watch lists we've ever created because they're all yeah. really heavy. And yes. uh, <laughs> they're all just sort of, like, hard to watch. So really intense. I'm, I'm yeah. sorry if you suffered with us, but also it's a really interesting look into Spooky. So, you know, for our purposes, it's a great watch list, but for... Um, mental health <laughs> yeah <laughs> just like just be careful <laughs> like you were with picard if you listen to that spooky episode please uh heed the trigger warnings that we're going to put in this episode's description and yeah just take care of yourself as we do well and you know rihanna and i we're always gonna make like jokes in really <laughs> strange places so <laughs> yeah we just slip one in yeah we'll even in the literal watch list we <laughs> yeah. made two jokes so <laughs> Hope you're having fun already. Uh, and, you know, this episode, I feel like we can really emphasize the philosophy in the philosophy in of the uh, Star Trek philosophy podcast. So I'm very excited, uh, even if it's going to go a different direction than we than our other spooky episodes went. Yeah, I mean, every episode goes its own way because of the different series. So totally. and also, yeah. this is only the third time we're talking about Strange New Worlds. So these episodes are still pretty fresh to me. It's not like with Lower Decks where... I will rewatch every episode about 25 times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, I have not rewatched these episodes except the ones that we've needed to do for the podcast. So it's like seeing Same. them again for the first time with some. Yeah, and crying again <laughs> <laughs> for, for like, the, the second time. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. So, Ashlyn, shall we begin? <laughs> yep. <laughs> We're suffering did reach. Uh, <laughs> sure did. In episode right. six, it reached us. Right into the heart. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay. So I want to start out this episode by saying that this can just be coined as the Pike accidentally stumbling in on weird cults thing again. We saw this in uh, Star Trek Discovery's New Eden episode. Oh my god, you're In our right. spooky series. And oh I was god. just having flashbacks. <laughs> I was like... Didn't we already watch this episode? He's a cult magnet. How did this happen? I mean, if he were around when Gul Dukat was creating the Pawraith cult, like what would have happened? He would have, <laughs> he would have been there to stop it. Way sooner than Kira. <laughs> yeah. It would have been like day two of the cult. He's like, I smell something suspicious. <laughs> He's like, I know there's something going on. Yeah. <laughs> so this is what's happening in the beginning of this episode, though we don't know it yet. The thing that... Now, knowing the ending of this episode, I can hear it in little ways that they talk about the first servant. Literally, some of her languaging is just so culty. She says that they went on, quote, an ancient retreat to this moon. And that's where they do the, the ascension, is what they called it. Like, all of these, like, words that are clearly covering up the truth of what they are going to do to this child. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah <laughs> yikes <laughs> it's so it's so funny that you say cult because on the outside it really does not seem cult-like at all it's not really mm -hmm. until you have the reveal at the end uh exactly, when you yeah. see the dark truth about this 
planet is being held up and able to sustain these lives like these civilization in the clouds is because they use a child sacrifice every time every what like lifetime you know Mm -hmm. and that is how their creators like created (laughs) this whole system yeah and Pike's little fling lady. What's her name? I didn't even write it down. Oh man, I did not. I'm like write the it down. like every inch of my feminism just flew away, flew out of my body. <laughs> I was like, I hate her. I mean, hate her, but oh, like Jesus would me. like to be her. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm sure you would. I will say, like, He's as, on a vigilante shit again. I mean, oh, I am. I I love Pike. Like Anson Mount is like what is very attractive to me. But yeah. the Paramount hair swoop, I don't think it helps. Pers- no, personally, <laughs> it's yeah, it's not his best look. It's too much for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I mean, we have to mention the Pike sex scene at least once, so I, I thought we'd just skim over it. Already go through it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, did you find her name in all that search? Oh, I wasn't looking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like... Oh, Alora. Okay. Ah, Alora. Okay, that's right. Yeah, sorry, uh, girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Alora, she says that she doesn't even know how this whole thing works like they don't know what happens but they just know that it works and they say that they've been looking for a substitution for like 700 years to no avail but also they Mm -hmm. have this whole restriction that they can't really interact with outside cultures and so rihanna when you say cult that is something that's very suspicious to me and uh allura actually gives a really interesting speech at the end of the episode because she says you know, this is her justification and how she like lives with herself every day is that if we have one child who can sacrifice for everyone, that means there's no child poverty. There's no children who are suffering on behalf of Starfleet, like could be going on on Earth or on all these other planets who claim to have like freedom and not not (laughs) not child sacrifices. She thinks like, well, maybe it's better this way. And she just sees it differently than Pike. And it for me, it's hard to distinguish, like, culture versus cult in that situation. But, like, the more I'm thinking deeply about it, like, yeah, this is totally a cult. And it's just on such a gigantic scale. It's, like, propaganda. Global, literally. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And this is the thing is it starts to unravel. We realize that Majalis, which is this planet, has an offshoot of colonists who have moved to Prospect 7, which is a classic. L, I think. Yeah. Um, planet, which is like an ice planet. Uh, hello. It's like not very inhabitable, but they still decided to move hello. there. So clearly, <laughs> clearly, you're moving from a utopia to a class L planet. Like, that's very suspicious and makes all of us wonder what is going on underneath that utopia, which leads me, Ashlyn, can I take us on a little philosophy tour? Take it away, Ian. Yeah, yeah, take, take it away, away, Annie. It's going to be a bumpy ride. <laughs> it will be. <laughs> okay. Whew, I just had to get out of our system. Okay, so I just want to quickly make a comparison that I think is really fascinating that I realized like halfway through watching this episode from a spooky angle. And I am taking this, you know, like completely to the edge, the far near edge of what 
can be called spooky, but since this is our spooky episode, I wanted to discuss where I'm like 99.9% sure the writers got this entire plot (laughs) from. And I'm sure that a lot of you have actually heard about it, and maybe some of you have read it. It's uh, actually, there is a short uh, philosophical text a fictional text published by Ursa K. Leguin. Uh, It's called The Ones Who Walk Away from Omelas. And this is the story of a utopian town, a, a utopic town that seems to have been lifted above all poverty, all suffering, any kind of despair, grief, everything seems to just be lifted off them. But we learn that there is a child underneath who is suffering and who has to continuously suffer. And the people of this town all know about this child. Some come to gawk at it, some come to feel remorse and wonder why the world works the way it does and have their own mini existential crisis. So essentially, this story, it's five pages. Um, I'm going to actually share the PDF that I found for any of you to read on the Patreon. Um, It's very fascinating read and such a good dive into philosophy because a lot of people... Sorry, I'm just just saying whoa. Like, yeah. Wow, to all of this. No, it's super fascinating. So you know how like that this then sort of became the poster child for philosophic discussions on utilitarianism, which actually like I really know because I'm a philosophy minor. So I took a lot of classes that we actually would discuss the scenario and say like, oh, but is it okay for a whole city to prosper on the suffering of one child? You know, that's like the the, the like textbook uh, sort of philosophic quander that a lot of teachers put us in. And I think that it's really interesting because I never knew the origins of this. And so when I was watching this episode, I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Like they totally are using whatever origins of this story. And I found uh, Ursula's amazing work on this. And I just think it's really fascinating to think about the implications of this sort of ethical quandary, because obviously we think we talk a lot about it in philosophy, but how can we like apply it to Star Trek and apply it to this episode? Because I was reading a lot of other articles that were branching off of this story and like what philosophy it sort of falls into, because I immediately thought utilitarianism, which very like in the briefest of descriptions, utilitarianism is quote the theory that actions are right insofar as they maximize social utility. So the benefits of the great or the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, but even more so that in this world, it seems realistically like this could happen. This, if there was a way, the utilitarianisms may justify having this child suffer and having the entire of the planet know that they're suffering and the articles I was reading who were trying to figure out like which philosophy this fell into one of them was like well it's just so improbable like there's no explanation like she doesn't cover how or why so like it's hard to put any real emphasis on it which is fair because like yeah of course but then there's a Star Trek angle I could take and I was like okay but in this world it's happening and Pike is literally faced with this dilemma of this is what their society needs to survive, but because they're taking a strictly utilitarian approach that essentially they're 
dumping any guilt they would have off of themselves and putting it onto, oh, this is just for our society because it keeps the rest of us thriving. So since we all know the suffering of this child, I think at one point, Alora says, we understand his sacrifice. At the end of the episode, Ashlyn, you were talking about what she says to Pike, and she admits that all of this is happening, obviously, and she says the only difference between us and the Federation is that we don't look away, and the suffering is born on the back of one. I choose our way. And that is just, like, so messed up to me, because there are so many ways that you could bring new knowledge into this world. Like Ashlyn said, it's it's so closed off from the Federation, from other worlds, no sharing of me medicine or technology or anything. So it leaves me to wonder what more is going on and who were these elders who built this place. And I just wanna leave you with like a thought about the ethical ramifications of this episode and of this theory that was pretty much started by Ursula K. Le Guin and John Stuart Mill in Utilitarianism talks about justice combining vengeance with a moral interest in others. And that is a commitment to the general good based on the sense of equality. And so he essentially talks about a really great chapter, just essentially saying it's the difference between being morally just and actually ethically just. And this is the like stark difference. Moral justice is like, you know, choosing the one if it's a child who's suffering, like coming up with other options, reaching out to any person you can, like Mbenga has tried to do for his daughter. And then we have on this other side, the sort of, oh, well, ethically speaking, it's fine because this child's saving all of our lives. So anyway, thank you for yeah listening about this. I just thought it was such an interesting thing to take into, into this episode. Rihanna. Wow. I was just enthralled. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I just have to continue to applaud Trek and the writers. Like, the Strange New Worlds writing team is just amazing because it continues mm -hmm. to take... How old is that text? Do you know? 1973. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. it continues to take, like, famous texts and apply them to our life and really get us to think about... How do we feel about this moral quandary? Which again is just classic Trek. Um, yeah, I the also most classic. <laughs> the yeah. most classic. I also thought the whole idea of this type of society existing really reminded me of the original series. And more often than not, I feel like these type of people are controlled by a computer <laughs> that's malfunctioning, or yeah. a creature that's controlling them, and they are essentially pawns to this idea. I totally agree with you and this is why it's such a hard time like actually understanding that this was a cult because it mm -hmm. does seem like their culture and it seems like they all really believe it but the fact that they cannot consult the outside world is the deal breaker and clearly the mm -hmm. computer or whatever is um like providing for them does not want that type of interference um it's yes. a like totally. tricky um subject also but what would the ramifications be if Starfleet like had actually saved the boy? Because I think yeah. their planet would <laughs> like would collapse. Have sunken into maybe. the earth. She says that if the first servant doesn't ascend, Majalis will fall from the sky. The surface is nothing but rivers of lava and lakes of acid will be destroyed. Yeah. So I'm interested to know, like, is that real or is that propaganda? Right. Or right. um so then 
you know, <clears throat> so then, you know, like Starfleet would be heroes, quote unquote, but yet if they fall and the planet's destroyed, that's also really bad. Like, that's really bad for Starfleet because you just allowed this to happen. Um, yeah. And so I feel like Starfleet to this day, like, reminds me so much of America, like, stepping into other countries' business and, like, really mm-hmm. messing it up. Mm-hmm. And so, but also I really am empathizing with Pike because he is really trapped in a strange situation and he's trying to defend his own morality like once he figures out what's going on and there's a great bit of tension at the end of this episode where um number one knows what's going on because she's talking to the boy's father and Mm -hmm. then at the same time we see pikes at the ceremony and everyone's cheering and then uh, the boy's like okay come on let's let's go to my ascension pike and you're starting to get more and more afraid because yeah. number one is taking the dad really seriously and she's trying to call down to Pike like, oh my God, I have to talk to him. You know, this is really bad. I just wondered if they'd had that communication, been able to discuss it, what Pike would have done and like, would he be decommissioned or promoted? <laughs> wow, Ashlyn, that's a beautiful, beautiful question. And with most philosophical quandaries, there's no good answer. Yep. You know, like there's, it's, how could anyone decide what whose life is valued above others? And, oh man, seeing Pike's reaction at... Just shout out to Anson Mount. I think that he continues to impress me in the subtle and very obvious ways that he is able to explore Pike and the character that is like we're learning so much more about. And I just... Ooh, especially because Alora is saying all this stuff like it wouldn't have happened without you, Chris, you know, which has got to haunt him because he knows that like the father was about to get his child away from this. And of course, maybe cause the rest of the planet to sink into lava. Who knows? <laughs> um, but he was prepared to do it. And that reminds me so much as well from this this text from um, Ursula that a lot of the people left the city. They left... Um, What's it called? Uh, they left Omleus because they couldn't stand the fact that a child was suffering for their happiness. And so they went somewhere that they didn't know if they would survive or do well or thrive or anything. And so I love that they also made this comparison with the people who went over to Prospect 7 who, like, and that's also another question, an ethical dilemma you can ask yourself. Like, would you be able to stand knowing that, like, this child is giving up everything for you to live this life of comfort and peace i I don't know i I was really thinking about this actually myself because as annoying as she is alora is like sometimes convincing you know Mm -hmm. um but to me and this this leads to another point i was gonna make rihanna so thank you like for me i would just think every action that i'm doing like every time i turn on a light switch or like eat food or just do like Mm -hmm. very basic things it's because that boy is suffering Mm-hmm. And I just don't know how long I could take that. I know because yeah. of the times we live in, <laughs> the world we live mm-hmm. in, um, yeah. <laughs> like it's very easy to get numb to suffering. And True. so I'm sure many people don't care about this yeah. or don't give it a second thought. But for me, maybe because it would be a new concept, I think I'd really have trouble with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just well it's said. very That's disturbing. So I think it just shows like it, it, this is a whole society where they don't have empathy or sympathy Mm -hmm. maybe they have sympathy but no empathy which one is it (laughs) yes i think 
you're exactly right. And I think that's sort of why I thought of them as more utilitarian because they may sympathize with this one boy, you know, but in the long run, yeah, they're going to try to find different ways, but in the long run, it's working, (laughs) you know, like what if their other ways didn't work as well? What if they weren't as, uh, prosperous? Yeah. So it's interesting to think about. Yeah. Also like I think each ascension, the emotions come back up to the surface and it's harder to do, you know, because you're mm-hmm. like, oh, geez, this really reminds me about everything. But yeah. the long times between ascensions, I think it's very easy mm-hmm. to not care at all. Yeah. Because maybe you weren't even born when <laughs> the boy like mm-hmm. was ascended. So it's just. Yeah. Yeah. That that's that's rough. It's it's really rough. And I'm just I'm so impressed, too, by this kid who played the first servant ian ho he's like incredible that acting at the end where he's totally confident he's repeating back like i freely you know do this for our world all this kind of stuff but that's the other culty part too is like this kid can't quote freely choose his fate like absolutely not there is no freely free choice in this for him you know and so that was really just shaking me especially when then they brought down the other kid um who had died and been like used all this time and oh my god and you just see him break and he said he's literally like oh my god and he knows what's about to happen and it's just heartbreaking every time i'm always in tears it's it's so well done but i'm like why are you doing this to me that's a great point rihanna and he was randomly selected right um yeah i think so yeah so this is from birth or something this is giving me hunger games vibes Mm -hmm. and this is that's another example of a society that is built in a way that honors sacrifice to keep the peace Yeah. Um, wow true because they send a male and a female from every district and they have a battle you know to Mm -hmm. see who the winner is um because Mm -hmm. and the propaganda machine tells them that if they don't have a Hunger Games, society will fall into civil war. Mm-hmm. So it's this idea of like, how do we have this pristine utopia in the capital? Oh, it's because literally like teenagers are dying every year. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like very, exactly. very similar. Such a good comparison. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Oof. So <laughs> let's lift us away from this episode, I think. <laughs> Okay, Rihanna, before we continue, I have a piece of breaking news. I looked at the episode Schisms from The Next Generation, and the summary is still a gifted young intern learns of her true heritage and must face the question to cue or not to cue. And I tell you, I tell Paramount that (laughs) (laughs) this is not the correct summary to Schism. Schism Gate is real. Schism Gate is still happening. And it has been almost a full year now of this being incorrect all thanks to that wonderful person on twitter we were talking to (laughs) yes so wow ashlyn thank you for that update i just think because it's the last episode of the spooky series we have a lot of spooky loose ends to wrap up and schism gate is still on it's still going strong y'all this is terrifying when will it end (laughs) when will paramount do something like what so a first-time viewer is never gonna know the summary to schisms if (laughs) if this goes on how many people have been hurt by this error thinking this was true (laughs) cue again (laughs) it's really impacting my life (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay 
man. Okay. On that note, um, let's go on to the it's corn section. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 oh, let's just go on with Memento Mori. Here we go. <laughs> Here it comes. <laughs> so it's Starfleet Remembrance Day. We start out this episode on a very somber note, I shall add. Yikes. Uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> we see that there are crew members wearing pins from... Oh, sorry. I just thought about what if it's really sad that Spock no, can't wear a Discovery stop. one. Ugh. Stop. Sorry, guys. Um, have we already, I feel like we've already talked about it before, but Picard would have a Stargazer one. Oh... Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Lorca would have the brand. Yeah. <laughs> he always has the brand. Just like points to his chest like, this is why I'm here. Brand. brand. Oh my god. Um, so yeah, but I love Pike's speech. I think that's gorgeous. He's such a good speaker. He's a great captain helping them through this tough day. We see that La'an is not wearing her San Andreas? No, what is no, it? Puget Sound. That's wrong Puget with you. <laughs> Are you even proud to be an American, Rihanna? <laughs> Puget Sound, right? <laughs> San uh, Andreas. That one, that's in sorry. California. I'm I know. Sorry. I know. I'm sorry. I'll get over it. I know. It's okay. Um, yeah. So we see that Laon La- doesn't have her Puget Sound pin on, and. Una is kind of trying to question, like, hey, you good? Like, do you want this on? You should go to therapy, by the way. You know? um, <laughs> yeah, La'an's like, I'm not broken. Shut yeah, up. Yeah, I'm like, she's not implying that. Um, but they're doing it right on the bridge. It's just a very odd scene. So, somber beginning. And then we get a distress call. <laughs> so, they said, right to the action. Yeah, this is the start of a pattern I'm actually going to be really impressed by that the Gorn have, because right away it tells me that they're well not right away because it took me like three episodes to figure it out um but uh it tells me that they are really good hunters because they essentially just lay traps for people who are probably weak in their opinion because they will stop to help a planet in need a colony in need even a single person in need and they are the Taking time bomb <laughs> that is the Gorn that are about to essentially assimilate or just like eat a whole nother ship full of people. And so this is a trick that the Enterprise falls for all the time. But also like it's hard not to because that's Starfleet's first, maybe not first mission, but second mission. Like explore strange new worlds and like help them out no matter the, the circumstance. Um, this is something that Pike is especially weak to. So... Um, now that I've seen the season, it was very interesting to go back and watch these episodes just, like, really respecting the high key the Gorn as hunters because that's, like, the most perfect trap. It's like a spider, you know? Especially to a Federation ship. Oh, my God. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, that's their job is to go and search out life and get distressed and answer distress calls and help where they're needed. You're absolutely right, Ashlyn, that they know exactly what bait to use. And so... I think the fact that we beam down to this uh, this abandoned town, it's like dark, and there's like clearly no sign of anyone, no response to Hales, and the reason they're getting no response is because there's been a massacre, like bodies are dragged everywhere, there's blood trails. The thing that also just 
is so fantastic about like us going through this spooky series, Ashlyn, is that we get to see the design improve and we get to see the effects improve and everything really just because technology gets better and then Trek gets more beautiful every day. And so by the time we get to Strange New Worlds, they're able to just like freak me out because their effects are so good. The costuming, everything was so well done in this, the makeup. And so I just have to applaud them too because it really adds to the ambiance of spookiness and something that maybe, you know, our claymation bugs didn't do as well back in TNG. Yes, absolutely, Rihanna. Uh, thank you for bringing up the, especially the blood splattered everywhere. That's a dark sentence. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah. I really thought it was effective because it adds mystery to what the Gorn do with the bodies. And I know, like, just in general, there's limited data um, on the Gorn. There's never even been a sighting of them. Really, no one knows what they're doing, except for La'an, which is what we find out in this episode. After they rescue the stranded people who have escaped, there's, I don't know, like, 20 of them or, like, something. Mm-hmm. I can't Probably remember. there, yeah. Um, maybe, like, 100. I don't know. But they are rescued by the Enterprise, which, of course, is a trap. And there's one kid who's a part of the civilians that describes seeing, like, lights in the sky and all of these kind of, like, vaguely familiar things. And La'an's like, damn, what is happening? And it's not until... Uh, I can't remember what the exact thing Ooh. was. It's when the kid is describing like, oh, I could just, I could hear this clicking sound. Oh, and she starts, or she, she's like, I could hear this sound. She's like, what kind of sound? And she starts making this clicking sound. Ooh, so creepy. Yes. So well done. They like zoom in on her mouth. And then they like really slow down the scene. So you see the corn chip coming and it's absolutely demolishes the um like separation the the um, ramp thing that they attached to the ship because they couldn't beam anyone out um and so it kills so many colonists and laan almost dies because she freezes up and una saves her so that was just incredibly stressful (laughs) like that whole sequence was so well done so well done totally agree i think the use of audio cues like that is really effective getting that blood pumping or getting that heart pumping also it was taking me back to i think it's literally schisms where there are like clacking aliens that are taking over or yes. that are doing experiments on the enterprise i was crew. thinking about the click clacky aliens That's again literally like, no. schisms, <laughs> which maybe the gorn did find a way to get to this world well that's what i'm saying and they look <laughs> but really Kirk different and so. <laughs> yeah. were in the before tng that so. is one of the most hilarious things <laughs> <laughs> fan theories the most wrong fan fan theory ever <laughs> well and also i think kirk was fighting a grandpa gorn like the oldest grandpa. gorn <laughs> yeah know? i know every time i think of it now like i have to go back and watch Arita because I have to now that we know more about the gourd I have to really like think about that episode again Rihanna I don't have a lot of regrets but maybe one is not including Arena and Spooky <laughs> <laughs> just for this moment yeah <laughs> yeah so I I love that La'an of course is putting all these pieces together she tells them to get shields up just in time she because she hears the farmer say that it was like rain on fire and the kids clacking noises like we said and so, Ashlyn, I have a question. Mm-hmm. What do we think about the Gorn ship? Oh, like, just weird. in general. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> weird. Don't, <laughs> okay. Don't Elaborate. like it. I don't like it. Um, yeah. 
we get I, this is the episode where they're uh they end up going into a, a brown dwarf is that right yes mixed with like a black hole or something yeah just a lot of science stuff going on it's essentially just wrath of khan except they're not in a nebula i was um, thinking that yeah. almost exactly so if you can't remember this episode just think about wrath of khan which by the way has a fantastic tension that scene is one of my favorites actually that could have been this our episode <laughs> yeah. yeah because oh oh sorry i was thinking wrath of khan your oh scene. i'm talking yes. about this episode yeah because uh spock figures out <laughs> you know he's just being spock he I, man okay so i i'm just gonna go on a little rant here um ethan peck has just been doing such a fantastic job as spock and it's in these little moments i just really get fired up and excited about him so uh and also just about the writing of spock is just so fantastic because spock starts this whole conversation by saying captain you told us to be creative and so and basically he comes up with this like insane invention because he was like "Ooh, i'm gonna like do a little project and he is able to figure out i i think pike says like in english and in, in earth standard is he turned a compass into a radar and uh somehow he's able to track the gorn ship because of some techno babble but just like the spark in ethan peck's eye and like how excited he was showing spock to be even though he's not you know like smiling or whatever he just has that like in like internal emotion thing so strong that man anyway i'm just very i love this scene so much and then once um the signals start coming of the gorn ships are getting closer and closer it sounds like a submarine ship you know so mm -hmm. and they have no sensors they're basically flying blind and it re was reminding me of Jaws. It was reminding me of all these other great, like, naval or, like, ship movies where they just don't yeah. know where the other ship is and it's a lot of tension. So I love this scene so much, but I hate seeing the Gorn ships. They're so gross and nasty, and <laughs> I don't think they make any sense at all. I'm like, okay, yeah, some, some ships need to spinning for, like, the centrifugal force for gravity, but, like... The Gorn are super advanced. They wouldn't need that. I guess it spins because it needs to shoot those weapons really fast. It like slings I, them. I don't get it. I really want like genuinely the schematics book to come out for Strange New Worlds because and yes. if, it ha if it's already out, then like I'm just dumb. <laughs> no, <laughs> like I missed it. No, that's fair. But I would love to know like how that shape helps that ship fly in any <laughs> <Yeah>. way. <laughs> Or helps it be, like, more fierce or whatever. I mean, it is scary looking, sure, but I just don't know what's going on with it. I, <laughs> so I, I wondered if you did. I really thought the best part of seeing the ships is when it gets crushed when they're in the deepest part of the brown. That was cool. Uh, the brown nebula star thing. Dwarf, yeah. Um, seeing it just crushed like a Coke can was awesome. It was like, now it that looks good. That was very satisfying. <laughs> yeah, that's the best it's looked. Yeah, so... Ashlyn, I want to talk a little bit about the genius of this episode's writing because... Sure, I'm here for that. I just, I love to talk about the writing here, especially because they're kind of taking a page out of TNG's book here by separating the crew and giving us characters we wouldn't expect to be together. And we see this in almost every episode of Strange New Worlds. Like, we're seeing a lot of cool different pairings. We're seeing a lot of fun away missions with a whole vast different number or, like, different groups of people. And so I think that 
it's so interesting watching this very small briefing happen because it's only Pike, Spock, Ortegas, and Leon on the bridge. Everyone else is cut out. There's this one cute little incident. I can't even remember his name. He's barely in it. They like kind of just pretend he's not there most of the time. <laughs> Poor guy. Um, but the rest of the time, it's like this really interesting because I feel really jarred by it. I think it's done so well, kind of like how we feel in Disaster in TNG, mm. where everyone's separated and they're all in these places. Maybe not that they shouldn't be, but like could be more useful elsewhere. And so it's actually really nice that we have La'an with us, obviously. So glad she made it to the bridge before people were cut off from other parts of the ship. But I just think it's so genius the way they did this to help move the plot forward. And absolutely, I agree with the suspense thing. Like, wow, especially when they're having to close down different parts of the ship because there's about to be like a core breach or, or not a core breach. There's about to be like a whole breach or something. Um, yeah, the Kyle ship's can't... getting crushed. They, he literally yeah. says like the lower decks will not survive. Yeah, <laughs> like, I was thinking oh about God. all of our lower decks babies. Get <laughs> up here. <laughs> literally, and so one of them doesn't make it and it's one of like Kyle tries to get him out in time, but he can't and it's just like, ooh, it reminds me so much of that episode with Zora when she has to breach the hole before that guy can get out every series man that's how you lose Every series does that oh that's how the red shirts die oh it's so well done oh yeah i'm i'm with you and also Mm -hmm. you know similar to how similar to what discovery is doing to us we're actually caring when these red shirt dies even if we don't know who they are the way that they affect the rest of the crew who survives it's tough for sure i agree with what you said about the characters getting separated and this is what i have wanted for discovery to do and so finally get to see characters who don't normally interact interact and i think the added benefit of this is that each time a character is added to the story like we get ahura and hemmer at some point like 10 minutes after this disaster has already been unfolding and so you're trying to figure out what's wrong in their situation and they're in engineering, so that's a critical part of the ship. How is that? Um, how is that? How's their status? Like, are they okay? What's going on? And then it just jumps to another scene where you're trying to figure out, okay, where's the on right now? Is she okay? What's going on? And um, I thought that really added to the suspense of the episode because you feel just as disoriented as each of the characters feel. And that goes along with getting to understand what we're dealing with through Luan's perspective because we get to see her trauma and fear firsthand, (laughs) especially when she goes on that shuttle mission with Spock that I talked about at the beginning of the episode. That's just... I weep every time. (laughs) I just think that this is a desperate person. Like, Mm Luan is so desperate to right her previous wrongs that she suggests something absolutely ludicrous, which is to do a mind meld in this situation to try to remember what the lights mean from mm-hmm. the Gorn. I, I just I feel like what? it's a <laughs> yeah. really terrible decision to do, luckily. It's a long shot that like it would even be an answer. Luckily it yeah. was, obviously. And I feel like it's too much information about your trauma, like experiencing it firsthand again, just mm-hmm. for the small piece of information that wouldn't necessarily help them that much, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I it mean, was only really to know the SOS signals and to give us, of course, the audience insight okay. into her past. Yeah, it's an info dump. It's true. And so Via mind meld. That's, yeah. that's why it's reckless. But I still think it's really desperate of Laon yeah. to do that. 
I mean, I think we're seeing what on here in trauma mode and survival mode. We're seeing literally her saying that when Spock is asking her about her memories, her saying, oh, well, a lot of these are trauma and like they're um, trauma informed memories. So it's hard to know what's real and what's not or essentially like what to parse out from facts and fiction. And so I think that that is really important to remember about La'an when we're talking about the Gorn is that she has both the need to avenge the people that she lost and the just like desire to not remember any of it. <laughs> and that's like warring inside of her head all the time, especially when she's faced with the Gorn again. This is probably her first time dealing with this Gorn situation since Una rescued her. And so it's really, it really makes sense the way she's reacting in these situations. And I love that Spock is there to guide her, that he volunteers to go on this basically suicide mission uh, with her saying, you will need backup. And it's absolutely true. Everyone needs a Spock if they can. <laughs> like, okay. He's and the best backup of all time. Yes, Rihanna. And I think I've talked about this before in the pod, but in Strange New Worlds, if spock goes with you on a mission you're probably gonna be fine because spock yeah. <laughs> is invincible he mm -hmm. will not be dying in strange new worlds he won't i mean he could like have a lot of trauma but he will never die and so it makes me so happy to see like spock is backing up on in this moment because i'm thinking oh they're gonna be fine because spock is there yeah and spock is so good at so many things oh my gosh i did not realize i was like such a spock simp at this point in my life but i like yeah we all get there eventually <laughs> welcome i can't ignore his he's just glorious i love spock so much mm -hmm. um but also he's just like i love that he asked lawn if she wants to stop too just like for boundary setting spock oh, is like the amazing. best at sending mental like setting those boundaries and when telling her your mind is setting a boundary right now we should not be going any further yes the end of this mind meld really got me because we hear a different language and i was thinking is that vulcan what's going on and then of course yeah. it's because laon has gotten into a part of spock's brain like seeing her react to her own memories he is having a visceral response and he's remembering Michael and like hearing her voice in his mind. And then the on suddenly starts saying, oh, my God, you had a sister, blah, blah, blah. Oh, it, it wrecked me when they both pulled away from the mind meld and Spock is crying, too. Yeah. Yep. Oh, God. That's <laughs> what I was weeping. <laughs> Whenever Spock's, Spock cries, I'm crying. Oh, That's just guaranteed. It's so sad. Oh, so well done, though. I just have to applaud their acting. And I love that Spock is sharing with Laon. Uh, the pain of losing a sibling through their bond. He's showing he understands by being vulnerable with her for this moment. And I think part of it was just because like they're, they're, he is vulnerable and he can't really help it. But I think also he wants to show Laon it's okay to feel this hurt. I feel it every day. And I think that that is just so important for the both of them to be starting to learn to grow. And I think this helped Laon like help her way to get to find a therapist and to actually start to start her healing journey a little more because we see throughout this episode that she's seeing the ghost of her brother behind pike and across the room and she knows that she's like this is really trauma inducing for me i'm very triggered by this and i have to keep working through it because she's starfleet she's a security officer and she knows everything about the gorn or everything mostly than anyone else because obviously like you said earlier ashlyn no one knows what they're like 
Laon says because no one lives long enough to tell anyone besides her. Because <laughs> she's amazing and because of her brother's sacrifice. So, Rihanna, I'm having an absolute vibration of truth come towards me. Or not truth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Rihanna, I'm freaking out right now because of everything you're bringing up. Doesn't this remind you of someone who was really triggered by something that he went through, having flashbacks, enough that he was in the shuttle alone, like doing, like trying to like investigate the Klingon ship, and then he froze and he couldn't do it. This is Ash Tyler, except mm-hmm. that Laon has the self awareness to understand. I am so triggered by this that mm-hmm. I. Like, I have to have my boundaries, and I have to, like, know how to function. And so she does push through it, but she does not keep going. Like, in the mind meld, yeah. it's not like she's like, let's just keep digging further and further. Like, no, she's like, stop. We have what I need to do. We found what we came to get. Let's go. I know it's also because of, like, Spock ending the meld, but I just, I can't help but think about Ash Tyler in this. And also, I have to welcome Laon to the Star Trek character Hall of Fame. People who are hallucinating while they're having spooky experiences. <laughs> Literally a family member again. At least her brother didn't, like, tell her to walk into the light or whatever, like Chakotay's dad, or, like, Janeway's dad did. <laughs> yeah, Um. also this is, like, Book seeing his father. Totally. Seeing his nephew. Um, yeah. <laughs> Picard seeing his mom. Yeah. I'm just, I'm saying right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the ghosts that haunt us are both real and in our heads. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, I, so what an incredible therapy. <laughs> yes, therapy is amazing. Ashlyn, do we think that Hammer's line about dying when you're duty is fulfilled. Do you think that was foreshadowing? Like, they're just, like, prepping us? They're like, hey, guys, Um, ready to get wrecked by the end of the season. Does that happen in Memento Mori? Yes. Bro, that's the fourth episode of this season. Yes. uh, Uhura and Hemmer have a very long discussion about just, like, the the fear of death, and they might die because of this. They have to eject the cargo bay into space and hold on tight essentially pull a crusher and geordie in disaster yep. once again making absolutely. more disaster parallels absolutely um it's a love letter suits, to star so. trek rihanna every Literally. time we say that yes. an angel gets its wings yes <laughs> <laughs> thank you ashley oh my gosh uh but yeah so that quote really shook me because now you know i was thinking about episode nine and yeah, I just, I love, though, at the end when we figure out Hemmer and her okay, they are like, hey, we're here. The sheer relief in everyone's face is so perfect, you know, like, it shows how they're such a family and how this is such a harrowing experience. Like, Una's getting stitches. There's a lot of medical horror, too. Like, I was going to say, too, like, the other thing that makes this episode really spooky is the fact that medical is, like, completely down. And that's when they need it most, you know, like, they need all available power to medical, but they can't. And so... Like, as Ortegas puts it, space really wants us dead. <laughs> so, like, literally at every front, people are, like, in danger from these crazy situations. And Pike is just trusting his officers and trusting Enterprise to get them through it. And she does, but only because of, like, Spock's crazy brain <laughs> and because yeah. of everyone working together. <laughs> I 
mean, how many times are they going to overuse that TOS trope? I just, I can't wait to see it every episode. They're just going to use Fox Brain to get out of every situation. I mean, it reminds me of when Gerardi literally said like, oh, well, they had Spock, (laughs) you know, like to go back in time. So you could just do that. (laughs) I love him. I love him so much. But yeah, so they did it. But I just want to leave us with a couple quotes. First of all, remember that Hemmer says... Passives are not all passivity. It's active protection of all things in the universe. So, like, don't forget that, first of all. (laughs) Um, And then also, I just want to say the end of this episode really leaves us, leaves me with more concern about the foreshadowing as I was watching this because Pike is like, woo, we saved the day, we did it, good job, the Gorn are gone. And La'an says, well, they've never traveled this far into Federation space. Um what about next time? And Pike says they won't catch us by surprise. Pike, you did it again, my dude. (laughs) They caught you by surprise. Exactly what Ashlyn was saying earlier. Um, Rihanna, just like do a little slap if I start annoying you, but I think Pike reminds me a lot of Chakotay. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I agree. Please continue. (laughs) Because they're both easily fooled by Mm. situations that are like a, a in their opinion a very obvious morale issue it's yeah. like they act on like i have to save them or i have to help them and that's their first instinct which is good but then they don't follow it up like with some deeper thinking and even though there's spock and um like laon and people who are very paranoid on the ship it's it's just not even questioned and i just feel like after um memento mori they should be hyper aware of this type of situation happening again. And so when you see a planet <laughs> or a ship or like anything that is abandoned <laughs> because only a couple episodes ago you like lost some people. <laughs> mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Like five crew members or something. I, I just think you should like scan for the holo thing, the holodeck type science thing that Laon was mentioning. If it's there, you know, don't do the thing. Maybe don't. <laughs> Maybe, uh, or, you know, Ashlyn, I have well, a, another alternative. I'm sorry, because also that wouldn't really help them in this situation because there's no present oh, Gorn. But I, I still just think, like, just, like, that should be your first thought. <laughs> yes. Ashlyn, I'm really glad you made the Chakotay comparison. Um, I have never really thought of it in that way, but absolutely. I think that... You know, it's sort of his job to be idealistic as a captain a little bit, but I think that he can stand to be more cautious and more, uh, que- like, question more before he leaps into things. Yeah, and even in Memento Mori, which we skipped over, he is encouraging Laon to be positive about how they can fight the Gorn because yeah. he says that hope wins battles more than Mm -hmm. like if the people are depressed if the the crew is like very scared and worried about this attack they're not going to perform as well under pressure whether Mm -hmm. whereas if there's hope and they think they have a shot they're going to do much better so yeah which i don't hear this in captains like this is like in ingrained in pike is make sure that the morale is good and i love that that's one of his focuses but mm-hmm. also i think like maybe it's a weakness it's i don't yes. know i don't know i i agree ashlyn i think it i think it is in these circumstances um particularly because there's a lot he leaves out in this episode all of those all those who wander 
because I think he's trying to not freak anyone out. So this is a very desperate situation that they've stumbled across. Not stumbled across, well, sort of. I mean, this is less of a trap than last time that the Gorn are leaving. This is more just, we're encountering Gorn again and it's not good, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So still just a little concerning because I think you're right. Sometimes it can be to his detriment, uh to try to keep everyone calm. Like, they're Starfleet. They can keep themselves calm. Not like he has to panic, but he has to keep him, them well informed. And he has to also understand the gravity of the situation and be on alert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, come on, Pike. Come yeah. On. Like, he didn't, even, he didn't even scan at all is what I'm saying. Like, even if he couldn't yeah. have predicted this, he didn't even try or no one brought it up. And I just think that's unrealistic for like the part of space that they're in and this is this is the borg of their era you know like thank you it's a a species that can like it's a species that can quickly um kill or assimilate you yeah or adapt to (laughs) to kill you more yeah i mean (laughs) god lon describes them as like she think he think the gorn think that humans are just sacks of blood and bone that they can like feeding sacks essentially and so it really shows you that mindset of just like we're not even like anything to them we're just prey and so i just you know i'm just gonna sit out my psa now um wear your bio suits guys hello i'm wondering um why aren't anyone why 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 okay yeah, <laughs> okay after you get that live feed cam i'm sorry to interrupt ashlyn but that live not live feed i'm sorry after you get that captain's log, log yeah the blurry captain's log you put on your bio suit you hear that there's a gorn baby gorn came out of somebody <laughs> put on your bio suit okay here's my counter to that mm-hmm. it wouldn't have helped them at all unless the Gorn like sneezed on them so like it would have helped Hemmer but I think that if a Gorn wanted to like lay eggs in you it would just drill through you only like yeah, I mean, half it could a rip second slower really fast yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but it would prevent Hemmer's death yes so I I hear you and I agree <laughs> with you but I'm saying yeah. from like a laying eggs in you point of view it's not gonna stop them (laughs) they're like measly fabric whatever yeah 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 it's true very true um i also want to say that of course because this episode starts with a party like it's just like a funeral march things are gonna go terribly yeah Yeah. (laughs) whenever somebody gets promoted (laughs) you just know it's bad news uh Okay. Especially an ensign you don't know gets promoted. But cute fic idea, and I'm just like giving it to everyone who um, also writes fan fiction. You have to buy someone a drink if you call them by the rank that they aren't because they were just promoted. So um, cute first date idea, anyone? Right. Like, that. I would oh use gosh. that on purpose if I was in Starfleet. I'm like, oh, excuse me, Commander. Oh, I mean, Captain. <laughs> oh, oh like, sorry, John Luke. Now I need to buy you <laughs> I a buy drink. you a beer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, a wine, of course. That would be <laughs> yeah. my number one use of that. Would That's only be hysterical. to flirt. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. 
Oh man. But anyway, oh, all that happiness and joy is what is occurring in the, in the first yes. 10 minutes of this episode. And Hammer and Ahura so are too. like so cute together and everyone's oh. so happy and then they're on an ice planet which as I'm learning from all these spooky episodes, Ice Planet equals bad news. Bad. Class L again, I think. We've never had a good time on an ice planet. <laughs> so, no. like, guys, get going. Like, <laughs> Get out of there. Especially because Una keeps saying to Pike, like, are you sure you want to split the team up? Like, you want to head away this mission? Yes, thank you. This I, is my other thing. I this is Pike a classic horror thing. I thought being dumb, kind of, in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Like, I would literally no. do anything for Pike, but I have to yeah. call him out when I'm confused. When he's being dumb. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have to call out anyone when they're being dumb. Um, Not Janeway. Sorry. <laughs> oh, she's never dumb, though, so that's never in question. <laughs> I'm sorry we brought up Janeway again in the Strange New World podcast. Continue. We Anna. always do. <laughs> uh, I have no... I'm not sorry about that, actually. Um, but, yeah, so splitting up the screw... Screw. <laughs> splitting. <laughs> screw the crew. We're splitting up this the screw. This beautiful chaos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so splitting up the crew just absolutely terrifies me. This is a classic horror movie trope. And I think that it was just a bad decision. Because yes, they have the odd. That's great. They have some pretty essential people here. But I just think that you could have used, you know, your ship <laughs> there. It could have been nice to have. Um, and I know that they needed, there was two priority missions that came up at once. Like, Starfleet is kind of a mess right now, I think, because if, if Enterprise is having to run this many um, priority missions. She's the closest ship in the quadrant, Rihanna. <laughs> Always. <laughs> she's a magnet for danger. 1701, like, USS Essential. Come on. <laughs> yeah, so I just think that that really that trope is really good because that it's already putting us on edge like oh my gosh we don't have a lifeline here we don't you can't just be beamed out of the situation or have the enterprise come down or something see this is why i would be called like the most cowardly captain because i would not leave my away team on an ice planet with a captain and several essential officers and like i wouldn't leave them right away i would stay for a couple days you know what i mean yeah. like to make sure how are the situations are they what i expected yeah. them to be and you know people can call me out for it but i just think don't don't do this don't leave them there without support yeah you're you're the to pull method like wait and observe mm-hmm yeah it's essential so uh, once again, I want just applaud the set design and just the entire effects department, everything going into this episode. It was so extra scary with the way that like the glass was freezing as they came in because the well, outside is so cold. And so, you know, they're going to be kind of trapped in there. Like there's an ice storm coming and they're clearly <laughs> something's going to go wrong here. Um, and then, of course, as we get more info with the log, hear that it's the Gorn, I'm again on high alert. I feel like Pike is still not taking this very serious, or like he's taking it seriously, but like, I feel like there's got to be more urgency here. I'd be way more alert about those people they pick up, the kid and that guy that she calls Buckley, all that stuff I would be way alert, way more on alert for, because even without Laon telling you, you know how dangerous the Gorn are. You would think so. I'm I'm with you, Rihanna. I would be on high alert and I would quarantine 
mm-hmm. those two. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like Let's you, see if they t- had Gorn in them. <laughs> I mean, like yeah. you said, maybe a bio suit would have been a good idea for the examination. Yeah, <laughs> yeah anything, really. Um, and we find out that these two have been, they were refugees from a Gorn breeding planet, and so that is how poor little Buckley gets those Gorn, because they, how they breed is through this, like, acidic spit and so uh i didn't but of course we're not told that until after the effects start happening to hammer and so when we see that he's got this acid spit i'm not super i mean i'm concerned absolutely but i'm like oh Mimbenga and chapel are here he's gonna be fine so that was a real shock when i heard lawn <laughs> say that i'm like you could have told us that earlier <laughs> yeah there's a lot of people not giving all the information in this episode and that's something else that makes it really suspenseful because the little girl i think knew that totally knew uh, buckley was infected didn't say Mm -hmm. anything didn't warn against it didn't try to help them at all Mm -hmm. uh she says that the last people who were there were able to lure the gorn outside but i just think she she must just be so alienated from everyone that she doesn't know who to trust which i guess i so would understand terrified. yeah but she doesn't say anything and then laon doesn't mention stuff like yeah. that i just have a hard time Ugh. with it it's hard to watch yes. it's so frustrating especially because pike urges once they get calms back on he goes he calms uhura and hammer and just says come up to sick bay we have a situation um, and keep your eyes open or something, and that's it. I'm like, no. Say, hey, this is Pike. There are Gorn babies active in this area. <laughs> you need your phaser rifles. You need to watch your si- each other's sixes. Like, hurry your butt over here. You know, like, I don't care about keeping the morale high. I care about keeping the crew safe, you know, and in this situation. Not that I would be calm at all of this situation. <laughs> um, I have to give Pike a lot of credit. He's very calm during this and it's it is good to see you know that he's keeping his composure but like almost too much i'm like you gotta have some urgency here because this is what costs hammer he saves uhura's life by doing this yeah absolutely he does yikes (laughs) so rihanna thank you for that i also just want to shout out and this might be a shock but i would like to shout out the special effects because I think they play a really good balance of creating the baby Gorn when they come out of Buckley because they're not so advanced and beautiful like we might expect from movies that come out today, but they also could be practical effects. And that is, of course, an ode to the original series, which exclusively used practical effects. And I mean, Nomad was a actual figure hanging by a string and the Horda <laughs> was a, a like animatronic thing that they built, you know? Um, or mm-hmm. at least it was like a blanket they threw over some guys who ran around. <laughs> like, <laughs> shuffled around. Yeah. But like, regardless, I think that the fact that the Gorn didn't look completely cgi was really impressive i'm sure it was all cgi but it looked cheesy and i really appreciated that and uh i mean it reminds me of conspiracy with the bugs that are kind of hilarious 
it just it makes it it's still just as scary and that's what i'm impressed by is because of the way that they've built up the gorn and the fact that a baby gorn which i mean we've all hung out well most people i mean a lot of people have hung out with puppies or kittens they have a lot mm-hmm. of energy like just babies yeah. in general are like let's go totally yeah, they're ready for life <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're new to this <laughs> yeah. yeah so it's like very terrifying to imagine a baby gorn running around yeah. the ship not to mention three particularly because they kill each other for dominance and so this only the strongest the alpha survives who has the most deadly instincts and ashlyn i think yeah the babies are kind of cheesy but then when we actually see this gorn already huge in size already growing with this terrifying face that they kind of still used from the original series arena when we see the gorn love it genius actually scary you know like i thought that was so good um so well done and again just another ode i think to the sort of body horror of movies like alien or prometheus or things like that where it's coming out of out of people you know the gornar and that's such a creepy sci-fi thing to do it's so well done it's terrifying and the fact that they can avoid sensors sorry i'm just thinking about all this stuff they're like genetic chameleons and so they are literally built to be these like perfect hunters way more than the herogen they've got like way steps above them absolutely and i also think that the just the design of them being so so actually terrifying was also reminding me of species 8472 or like they just seemed like a voyager hunter like i mean you're already talking about the herogen absolutely I also want to talk about Chapel and her harrowing escape from sickbay. Same. That was such good tension. I felt literally like I was watching some, like, sci-fi horror movie. Like, it was so well done. Yes. I realized, like, similar to Rihanna, her, her favorite Star Trek character is holding a bow is, like, her dream situation. Yes. And for me, <laughs> it's my Star Trek characters who I don't expect to hold a gun, hold a gun. <laughs> Yes, especially so, the doctors. Um, yeah, chapel with that gun. Oh, the phaser rifle. Oof. Oh lord, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I was very shaken by this moment, yeah. and um, I love to see it. I love to see Chapel figuring out the mystery because, of course, like any good story, there's miscommunication that's happening between all the teams on this ship. So to see Chapel go in on her own and interact with the child, and then just take matters into her own hands is. Uh, very overwhelming (laughs) yes oh my gosh it is and especially because i'm like chapel i know she's gonna be okay but i'm still worried about her she's another one with plot armor that we know she's she's safe (laughs) like she's not even engaged to roger corby yet like we have many miles to go before we sleep on chapel storyline literally exactly um I love too the different scenes they were able to do from the corn from the Gorn's perspective as they were hunting first Duke and then Laon and Spock. Uh, they did like sort of infrared radiation. I was or infrared goggle type thing, you know, like view almost, and that was really cool with the sound, the quacking sound of the Gorn that we heard from the the kid and Memento Mori. So they're really starting to build more lore around the Gorn and give us more information slowly in these really terrifying ways of like we're going to show you the full potential and power of these villains. And Ashley, I love that you're saying like this is sort of the Borg of their era because I'm really starting to feel that way too. Like the mystery surrounding them and just the terror that it brings is really similar feeling. Yeah, and I think it is leading to some fact about the corn because we've never heard about them in TNG. They literally have not returned 
So I think from a writing angle, it's great to bring them back in this way. And then also from a setting up a larger story point of view, I could see, uh, who knows, maybe a Kittimer Accords with the Gorn. I, or maybe they die off. I have no idea. But it's very intriguing. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to bring up something that we've been talking about a lot with Laon and that is that you know she's been suffering this deep trauma and she's having mm-hmm. a hard time yeah. you know getting really triggered by all these um Gorn situations but when she's talking to the child trying to amp her up because you know y- you can survive this look at me I'm in Starfleet mm-hmm. now and I was in your same situation she has a great quote that says there's surviving and then there's living and I think that mm-hmm. is just a good message for everyone. Obviously, we are not all running from Gorn in our lives, but there are things that cause us to only want to survive when living is actually an option as well. Uh, so you can yeah. be thriving. Yeah, and... what are the Gorn chasing you in your life? <laughs> yeah, I And want... how can you shoot them in the face? <laughs> <laughs> Or freeze them to death. That was cool. The answer to that is on my Christmas wish list, which is a chapel cosplay. So um, if anyone wants to donate to our Patreon, I promise it will go to a responsible uh, Responsible purchase. (laughs) (laughs) It will help me find the Gorn in my life. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, Ashlyn, you were mentioning La'an talking to that girl i thought that was such a great scene to show how much how far she has come even from memento mori and how she's actually looking for an opportunity to enact some revenge on the gorn and i think that though revenge can't bring peace it can bring a little bit of temporary serenity and feeling a bit better like at least i stuck it to some of the gorn and at least i was able to kind of remember my brother in this moment so that was really cool really scary she had to like jump into that you know like cargo box and like maybe the glass was going to shatter you know like you don't know if she's going to make it and of course she does but hammer doesn't and that is just like the huge whopping like smack in the face of this episode you know that i was just not expecting um like we said because lawn didn't tell anyone what the spray was for or what happened when they sprayed people and uh hammer knows though and so he understands that he's out of time and I just, oof, how, like, how do they, how, why do they do this? <laughs> so, Rihanna, thanks for bringing that up again. You know, let La'an doesn't communicate about the slime. I <laughs> actually got from this point in the episode, like, the way that she conveyed her line was mm-hmm. that she knew that he was dead, the like, the moment it hit him, but she didn't mm-hmm. want to make the crew lose hope which is like exactly what pike was suggesting her to do memento mori yeah and so i it made me think she knew all along and she chose not to tell them and i just i don't think that was the right call because yes they were in a very perilous situation like they could have died but i think still while they were running around in fear they could have been thinking about like a way to help hammer or something because this crew is amazing and so I think it's kind of unfair of La'an not to say this, even if she thought she was doing a favor to Hemmer and especially to like Ahura and people that, I mean, everyone cares about Hemmer. I certainly, oh God, don't even. Rihanna certainly was weeping for Hemmer. I was weeping. Well, this just like, yeah, it reminds me 
of like how important it is to arm your crew with knowledge in Star Trek and how much better they succeed when they do, when they know what's going on. Um, and yeah, I think that, you know, I think that there's a couple Star Trek episodes I can name probably on like maybe two hands, maybe one hand that will make me cry every time I see it. You know, and this is, I think, just adding. This is one that uh, that probably will have me in tears every time. It's so beautifully done and so horrible what's happening to Hemmer. And uh, I just, yeah, again, was totally floored by it. And I think, you know, like, that is the ultimate spooky episode is literally having a character death within it because of these Gorn. And so it also creates a feeling of hatred even for us like now that now the audience hate the Gordon more because we want revenge for Hemmer <laughs> so they're really creating that sort of they're sp- like spitting that hatred more for us <laughs> La'an is the leader and the originator yes. of that hashtag <laughs> Re- revenge for, or justice for Hemmer hashtag yeah, revenge, for, revenge Hemmer. for Hemmer <laughs> yeah Rihanna she's really bloodthirsty uh, yeah. is what I've been seeing all these episodes mm-hmm. and yeah, you're totally right. This is the weight that comes with watching these spooky episodes. A weight I did not expect from Strange New Worlds uh, mm-hmm. to deliver on. But I think in general, they are changing s- some things in Star Trek that are small enough, maybe not to notice. Um, but like Discovery started having more swearing, you know. And I think Strange New Worlds is having a lot more body horror because i've never in my life seen a wound on star trek and i saw um i saw number one getting stitched up in um the in memento mori and i did not like it and i pretend like it out in my exterior that i'm not squeamish but you put that in front of me and i am covering my eyes because i I mean they do that in discovery too they do oh i just block it out i guess not the stitching but like they do other body horror stuff yeah. you know man i mm-hmm. mean i guess one it's one thing to have check offs like plastic ear and sure. a plastic <laughs> slug but yeah <laughs> <laughs> man yeah i really just think they're pushing the boundaries in a good way and but it's just different than you know classic star trek for sure absolutely ashlyn wow uh, is that it well we... the, the no, last no. thing that's not yeah. spooky at all but maybe mm-hmm. spooky to like my subconscious is that i very much ship uh spock and chapel because mm. of strange new worlds which is something i never did and i know it's impossible yeah. <laughs> it's like a doomed ship it's like <laughs> this is my titanic ship you know um, yes literally it's never gonna happen but i cannot help but just like hope and pray for these two they look so good together they look yeah. so good the chemistry's so good and at the end of this episode mm-hmm. they have this sweet yeah. moment together where spock mm-hmm. is like freaking out and chapel like hugs him like spock can't get his mm-hmm. anger under control because that's how he used mm-hmm. um in pain yeah yeah Rage he, and pain yeah he used that to lure the gorn to him when they were doing this whole mm-hmm. like terrifying bait situation um <laughs> yeah god <laughs> and uh chapel sees this happening at the funeral runs after him gives him a hug and then spock like mm-hmm. ends up like relaxing and returning the hug and yes. uh oh god i just I've never there shipped was a more electricity doomed there. relationship in yeah. my life. <laughs> yeah. Like, even that, the scene, which we did not even watch or even need to talk about today, but in the, um, 
where the Enterprise is taken over and uh, yeah, they're forced to kiss the on the bridge. Yeah, that like that fueled yeah. my fire. And then watching the scene today, I was like, oh God, I'm oh. hopelessly devoted oh, to man. you two. <laughs> yeah, like when did this happen? <laughs> yeah. I just shipped Shaw. I literally, um, this is a sad admission, but I ship Spock with three different people at this point. And I just, I mean, it's not sustainable. <laughs> Yeah, like, when will it end? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I've never shipped Spock with a woman before. This is new no, to me. No, that is brand new. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. So, Ashlyn and listeners, we are finished with our spooky series. This is the sweet spot, the time on every episode that comes. This is the 10th time it's happened where we just yeah. feel in <laughs> awe of all that we have accomplished. And... We feel free because what, what should we talk about now, Rihanna, in this last minute of the podcast? We could talk about anything. <laughs> um, I want to talk about the fact that our holodeck series yeah, is next. Yeah, so this shows you we are bound to only discuss series because it's time to talk about holodeck, which will be coming up. Oh, Lord. Uh next time i don't want to say next week because i don't know when it'll be out <laughs> sure yeah <laughs> who's to say um but it's gonna be really fun and i had a blast getting to talk about all of these spooky episodes and again have learned like so much more about star trek than i ever thought i could at every one of our amazing series so ashlyn thank you for bringing this series into our podcast oh for sure. And I want to shout out a couple movies that I've actually watched since the Spooky series began because I was inspired by the Spooky series. Um, mm-hmm. I watched Halloween for the first time ever. Um, yes. I watched V for Vendetta, which is fantastic. So um, good. Uh, Red Dragon and Silence of the Lambs, which yes. I've seen Silence of the Lambs before, but just to rewatch it with this context was very nice. Uh, and also Nightmare on Elm Street I saw for the first time uh, in the Spooky series. So I just have a deeper appreciation now for these movies and for this genre. And I also finished Squid Game, which isn't really like horror, but like... It's type, yeah. I'm like very horror light in my life. So this is inspiring Mm -hmm. me to go out and just like lose my mind over a bunch of scary movies now. Yes, that's the goal. I'm glad we got you there, Ashlyn. Thank you. And then I think it's going to be just delightful to talk about holodeck episodes next week. It's going to be a weird one because everyone Mm -hmm. knows they're, well, not everyone. I'm not trying to gatekeep, but (laughs) some, most most people know that there's no holodecks in the original series. So we are going to have a special animated series feature next week. Yeah, can you guess which episode we're going to talk about? Yeah. (laughs) That has a pseudo holodeck. Take a guess, folks. (laughs) And let us know. (laughs) We'll we'll be here next week. It'll be a, uh, probably six hour episode episode i'm thinking rihanna talk <laughs> yeah about with a the 30 minute episode <laughs> mm-hmm, with a real, the shortest watch list besides our pilot series so <laughs> uh, yeah I'm, I'm excited it every series brings something new to the podcast so thank you all for listening to us for our supporters for our friends in other podcasts and other communities thank you so much for listening Oh my gosh, yes, thank you so much to John T. Bolds, David Willett, Jeff Richardson, Never Otter Even, Curlon Nascos, Wolfwit, Rick Mason, Gil Dara, Michelle, Anna Post, Ivan Fetch, and T. Alexander for being our patrons. I hope you have received your stickers in the mail by now. 
uh, we were, yeah, we, <laughs> I don't know when they're coming. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Like, hopefully. This, yeah, like, hopefully you have. We do have some international patrons, so that might be much longer yeah, for you. Yeah, take a little minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But thank you, nevertheless. We are getting very excited to go into 2023, and I am just very thankful for all our listeners for sticking with us. This is a monumental moment because this is our 10th series that we have finished, and... I didn't even think we could come up with 10 series when the podcast first started. So <laughs> I'm very yeah, shaken. And we still have so many more, like yeah, <laughs> a our, whole document of ideas. It's like 30 ideas <laughs> that we have. So you won't be able to get rid of us <laughs> yeah. easily, unfortunately. You're going to have to keep listening nope. to us until we're mm-hmm. in nursing homes talking about Star Trek. <laughs> um, well, Rihanna, thank you so much for joining me this week. I can't wait to talk to you next week and dive into the new holodeck series. And I hope that you all have an amazing week. Stay spooky, my friends. Woohoo! Thank you for listening to the Dura Series Podcast. <laughs> I literally, I like sat in my armchair and I said... You were so cozy. I said, I am... So excited to finish out this series in a gorgeous way. And I said, Dura Series Podcast. Podcast. (laughs) Okay. Thank you for listening to the Dura Sisters Podcast. Please tune in next week for the first episode of our Holodex series, where Ashlyn and Rihanna will discuss all the people who beam in and out of these Star Trek episodes. Uh, In... Beam. <laughs> Transporter <Okay>. series. <laughs> I lost my fucking mind. I just said something random. I was thinking it was about, almost good. I was thinking about particles, and I was like, "What else yeah. is particles? <laughs> pro, 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 protons." Um, oh God. Where Ashlyn and Rihanna will discuss the photonic friends and enemies in Star Trek: The Animated Series. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and check our suggested watch list for our upcoming episodes. Also take a moment to check out our content on Tumblr, TikTok, Threadless, and YouTube. All links can be found in the bio of any of our social media pages. If you like what you've heard today, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. By donating any amount per month, you could become a monthly patron and unlock our exclusive reviews of Lower Decks, the animated series, a review of Galaxy Quest, and Star Trek Trivia. You can find all of this and more at patreon.com slash the Dura Sisters podcast. If you would like to contact us for any reason, please do so at the Dura Sisters podcast at gmail.com. So far, we have covered these podcast series, pilot episodes, family, love and affection, time travel, villains, movies, feminism, death fakeouts, first officers, and spooky episodes. If you haven't heard a particular series yet, please go back and listen to any of these spectacular episodes. Social media and marketing by me, Ashlyn Gelman, and Rihanna Hurd. Editing is done by Rihanna Hurd and Ashlyn Gelman. Our intro and outro is by Jerry fucking Goldsmith. Pilot episodes, family, love and affection, time travel. Bro, bro, turn, turn off your iPhone.
<laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like fucking screaming. Oh my god. Okay. Um.